Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to another episode of The Stacks. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas. This week for The Stacks Book Club, we're discussing motherhood by Sheila Hetty with our guest, author Joe Piazza. Another way you can support the show is by contributing to The Stacks through Patreon. Patreon is a membership website that allows you to be a part of the literary lover's corner we're creating here for as little as a dollar a month. Once you contribute, you're a member of the Stacks Pack, and you get inside access to the show, like finding out guests in advance, helping to pick future books, and exclusive giveaways. Patreon allows the Stacks to create the content you love and still retain full control over the integrity of the show. And listeners like you make that all happen. If you're looking... For more of the stacks and want to connect with other lovers of the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash the stacks and join the stacks pack. I have to be really candid here. Um, If it weren't for Patreon, it would be nearly impossible to make this show. So thank you to all of you who have joined. And if you haven't yet, it's never too late. Did you know that if you shop on Amazon, you can also help the stacks by clicking through the links in the show notes or on our website before you shop? The Stacks earns a small commission off these purchases, and it comes at no extra cost to you. It's super easy. You click the link, then you shop. And it's almost like guilt-free shopping because you know you're helping out one of your favorite podcasts. Okay, here's the last way you can help the show. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please, please, please rate and review the show. These reviews especially help the Stacks get to new listeners and audiences. It means a huge, huge amount. This week, we got a review from Baby Boomer on board that says, quote, we met on Instagram slash bookstagram. What a nice discovery. I love listening to Tracy discuss books and life with her varied guests. That's it. That's the review. It's that simple, clear, amazing, takes like two minutes, and it means a great, great deal to me and the show. So if you have the time, please rate and especially review the podcast. Okay, let's get to it. This week, Joe Piazza is back. If you didn't listen to her last week, go ahead and check it out. Episode 23, we talk about women in politics and all the things that Joe loves to read. Uh, Joe is the author of Summer's most relevant political fiction book. It's called Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win, and it's about a woman running for Senate in the 2018 midterm elections. So it's very current. Uh, Joe and I are discussing Motherhood by Sheila Hetty. There's no spoilers this week, so you can listen and not be worried if you haven't quite gotten to the book yet. 
All right, let's do it. Here it is, Joe and I discussing motherhood for the Stacks Book Club. All right, y'all, we are back again this week with author Joe Piazza, and we're talking about Motherhood by Sheila Hetty. Um, it is a, I think that we call it a biographical fiction. I mm-hmm. think that's what I heard her call it in an interview um, about the choice or the de- decision whether or not to have a child. And it's her, it's kind of like an inner monologue into her thought process as she moves from her 30s into her 40s. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the rundown. That's it. No, that's that's exactly what it is. I mean, I, I've i always kind of had trouble with biographical fiction. I didn't know it was a thing. It's a thing. I mean, but I'm kind of like, just write a memoir. Right. Like, if you want to do it this way, just write a memoir. Um, and right. I think that's my biggest issue with this book. Okay. Is that I'm like, one, you don't feel like fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're straddling that line, it's interesting. But at the same time, this book just kind of a lot of it feels like like you said, I mean, it's an inner inner dialogue, a diatribe about this one subject. Mm-hmm. And that's not fiction to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I I have so many thoughts on this book. Okay. And I, I don't <laughs> I don't want to come right out and say I don't like this book. I think Sheila is a beautiful, beautiful writer. Yeah. Um, I don't love the fact that this is the o- really the only thread in this mm-hmm. novel in that it's just like constantly hitting you over the head right. with this subject. Whereas I think this is a subject that has to be explored. Sure. The concept of motherhood and women and how society has told us that motherhood is supposed to define our lives. Right. But I think that can be accomplished by weaving that into a well-driven plot in a novel such in a way that it normalizes it right as opposed to just constantly smacking you in the face with someone's internal monologue and reading anyone's internal monologue and I feel this way when I'm reading a lot of these kind of biographical fiction by men mm-hmm. everyone's like oh this is such a literary classic and I'm like come on it's like a bunch of whiny men it's right. a chiclet <laughs> it's just it's written by a guy so it doesn't have a pink cover right um I'm like I don't want to be in your head what may like I'm I'm bored with being in your right. head. Well, I don't want to be in my own head. I I want to be out of my own. I don't want to be in That's anyone's. That's why I'm reading. Exactly. I don't want to be in anyone's head. And yeah. so it just it feels neurotic and overwrought. Sure. To me. Yeah. I well well we're gonna spoil this book, but you can't really spoil this. You book. can't really spoil this. So book. just if you haven't read it, that's okay. Uh, we might spoil it because you might not want to read it, or you might want to read it more or less. Yeah. But we're you know that's my spoiler alert basically. What I felt about this book was that it was too long for what it was. It's a magazine article. Yeah. And and I did hear her say that she originally started it as a piece of nonfiction mm-hmm. and she had interviewed many men and women about the idea of becoming a parent. And I almost wish it had been that. Yes. Because that, I feel like you would get different perspectives. But I think what happened is she did the interviews and then she thought about her own life and her own feelings about it and then kind of merged it all into one thing but so you lost the debate you lost the debate you lost the debate um and 
I just, I don't think that you, the great thing about fiction is kind of losing yourself in the fictional characters. Sure. And I don't, I didn't find any of the characters actually likable or relatable at all in the book. And then I and kept being like, is, wait, are these actual characters or is this her actual or partner? Her actual, her actual, her actual life. Yeah. And so I just, I, that's, I have two huge issues with the book. The one is that I'm like, it shouldn't have been fiction. Mm-hmm. My other huge issue this one is even bigger, is the setting up that you have to choose between motherhood and art. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such bullshit. Sure. I mean, I'm a writer who had a baby while writing my last novel. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel more productive than I've ever been. That's interesting. And I think, again, while we need to be exploring what does it mean to be a mother and to be defined as a mother? Mm-hmm. But to say you have to, I feel like I have to choose between one or the other. It's a complete bullshit dynamic. And it also makes me think that she didn't interview enough right. people who had very successfully continued their lives and their careers with a child. Like having, having a baby did not interrupt me sure. at all. Did you always know that you wanted to have a child? I did. I mean, it's, it's not for me getting married and having a baby wasn't the defining characteristic Mm -hmm. of my life. I wasn't like, Oh my gosh, everything is going to be perfect and complete. Once that happens. I mean, that's having a New York times bestseller, right? Right, Sure. Um, totally different. Um, but I knew (laughs) that I wanted a partner and I, I knew that I wanted kids and Mm -hmm. I'm happy with how it all turned out. I don't, I think what drives me nuts about this book is just making it so fraught. Mm -hmm. Um, and making that decision so fraught and making that decision seem like, oh my gosh, if I do, if I have this baby, it could be the end of everything for right. me. And I'm like, no. Right. Like, but I do think Stop that being that... so self-important about it. Sure. But I do think that that fear is real for women on the precipice of having a baby or like starting to run out of time for having a baby. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have kids. And one of my big fears, I'm like, what do if I have a kids? Ki- I don't know. Okay. I don't know. But one of my big fears is like, what if I have a kid and then my whole life is just ruined and like I have to start liking like kid things. And I know that there are women who have kids whose I would say their lives are ruined because they start liking kid things. Yeah. And then I also have people in my life who have kids who are like cooler than they ever were and their kids like can use a can opener. And like, right. You know, like so I know that that's not real, but it is something that freaks me out. Even though I, I intellectually know it's not real, I still am like. I won't be able to go on this trip with Miles mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Like I'll have to get yeah, that's a not babysitter. True. You know, that's not true at all, though. Right, it's just not true. But that, um, but I will do, have. You will yeah. have to get babysitters. I'll have to get a babysitter. Yeah. Sure. Mom, come uh, live in LA. But no, seriously. <laughs> actually, the, the the fact of the matter is, you just want your mom to move close to you mm-hmm. because being well, able we're going to redo our garage. Being able to, so you're going to make your mom live in the garage. Well, it's going to be her own unit. Oh, that'll be nice. Yeah, that'll like nice. separate place for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was nicer than being like stay in the guest room. Yeah, mom. no, that's better. That's better. <laughs> we're looking at new houses with a mother-in-law unit. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah separate exactly. from the house. You know, exactly. LA. The garages are separate from the homes in LA. Right. It's not like a garage. It's no, like it's, not like, it's not like a garage attached to the house. You're just going to make your mom sleep on the. And there's no cars in our garage or anything. You know the way that I think about it is that if someone sucked before having kids they suck after having sure. kids and if someone is awesome before having kids they're awesome after having sure. kids but what so if like, your kid sucks that some, is sometimes kids suck fear. they might suck um but also sucky kids usually have in a sucky parents like know. you know I mean, it changes things but it just i don't think that it's so i just don't i don't like the setup that it, because sheila had he's set up 
perpetuates the stereotype right. that it ruins that your it life. will ruin your yeah. life and i i think that that is so unfair to women and also because you one of the things that you have to make sure going into having a child is that you chose to have a child with the right partner right you know it ruins your life if you chose a shitty guy to right. make a baby with think you're great well and <laughs> nick you're well nick and nick is wonderful um he's a great dad i flew down to la and he's back in san francisco watching our baby and he's about to fly down here for my book party tonight is the baby coming oh yeah yeah you'll you know you get to meet charlie tonight Can't wait. yeah yeah um he's very good at the book events i end up like holding him at some point during like all of the panels but um so I just, I also don't think that she necessarily in this book chooses the right person to procreate with. Mm -hmm. And that's also anxiety inducing. Sure. I mean, I dated so many guys who were awful for so long. And had I had a baby with them, my life probably would have been awful. awful. But that's not the baby's fault. Right. That's because I was stupid and chose a bad guy. Right, sure. Um, so I just, I mean, I had a hard time getting through this book. Mostly because yeah. I don't like to be in someone else's head. And yeah. someone else's head that I so disagree with disagree with yeah um and again I think it could have been one magazine article there's no sure. reason it should have been a book sure so last night I went to a book event for Asia Gable do you know oh, she yeah, showed the ensemble yeah and she actually was talking about she was a classical musician and mm -hmm. her book is about classical musicians yeah. and I haven't read it yet so I can't really speak to the book but what I do know is that she was saying there's a part of the book that like takes the perspective of one of the wives of one of the classical musicians mm -hmm. and like how that woman had to kind of bear the load of having a family. And she talks about how like a lot of classical musicians who are women don't have children or if they do, mm -hmm. they have to take breaks from their work and all this stuff. And she kind of brought up this idea that a lot of creative women are at odds with motherhood because there's this fear of creativity getting or their child getting in their way of their process mm -hmm. and also because they create things from thin air right mm -hmm. like you create music or you create the sound or you write the words you perform the part that there is a part of creating that is fulfilled in your work right that other women might not have because they you know do other jobs and I thought that was a really interesting when she said it does she have kids she doesn't yet. Okay. Right. But still, yeah. I just thought it was an interesting thought that like as a creative person that there is an anxiety around it. Mm -hmm. I think once you have the kid, it all works out and you figure it out. Yeah. But I think like the thought of the it. The thought of it going into it, having yeah. that anxiety going into it. And like which creative women decide to have children and which don't. And, which and when to. they choose to do it in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm not, I, I say this all the time. Being a woman is so Hard. Mm -hmm. It is. It's so hard. And because of the fact if if we do one, if we don't want to have children, we're judged by society mm -hmm. a certain way. If we do want to have children, like, yes, parts of our life do end up getting put on hold Phys because we physically have right. to carry around a baby right. and then physically push it out of our bodies, which makes you feel like you've been hit by a goddamn truck. And you have to do it in a certain time. And you frame. have to do it in a certain time frame. And that time frame does happen to be the time when you are at your peak of creativity. Right. Um, and I, I think that I just have these strong reactions because I'm coming out the other side of right. it. You're fresh right? off a baby. I'm fresh off a baby. I've like, I've actually never felt more creative. I'm more productive. I'm better at organizing my time. I do mm -hmm. less stupid bullshit. Mm. Like I'm not social surfing social media all the yeah. time. Like when I have an hour to get something done. Great. I just wrote 2000 words in my next novel. Right. Boom. Right. Um, 
and I know that I, I want to be a mom. And so I just figured it out. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm like, you know what? If, if you want these things, you just figure them out. Figure out. I, but like, that's like everything, really. I mean, and that's everything. That's just life. I think right. that I'm just like kind I'm kind of generally over people whining about life mm-hmm. and not just like, just just figure it out. Stop agonizing. Everyone's just a little bit too neurotic right. about everything. Right. You figure it out. You make life work. Yeah, it's true. And you're right. People are... Being neurotic is very in right now. It's so in right now. And I mean, being neurotic has always been in. Sure. I, mean, I mean, I lived in New York forever. <laughs> like, like every Woody Allen movie ever. Right. But the difference now is social media. Sure. Now we're seeing everyone's neuroses right. on their fucking Instagram. Right. And I'm just like, I'm just, so, I'm so bored by it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, one of the things that I've started to try to do in my life, which it's turned out to be way harder than I thought it would be, which is reframing being busy. Yes, same. As like same. a blessing oh and not like I, I teach fitness classes, so mm. I have to wake up very early to do that. Right. Like this morning, I taught at 6 15. That's crazy. I'm going to take a nap later. Yeah. Uh, I hope before I have to teach tonight. Anyways, yes. but it's like I go and I do this, and then I have you coming here and I have to put this together and I mm-hmm. have to read this and I have to do that. And I'm like, this is great busy. It's great busy. This is great busy. Yes. Like, I chose all of these things in my life. Exactly. And like, so I have to assume that if I had a child, if I chose to have a child, I would be more busy, Mm -hmm. but it would still be good busy. Good busy. Bad busy is like going to pick up someone else's laundry. Right. And like doing shit you don't want to do. Going to the doctor. I actually like going to the doctor because that is one of my neuroses. (laughs) It's like, I just like to know that I'm healthy. So I feel really good. Like when I go to the doctor and they take my blood pressure and I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, exercise. I'm so healthy. The dentist is bad busy. Um, uh, exactly. But exactly. yeah, like that there's this idea that like everything is negative. Every decision is negative. Like what I like about this book, what I really liked is some of the things that she comes up with. Her dexterity of thought mm-hmm. is really impressive. Oh, absolutely. Her her ideas and commentary on motherhood, I really like. But I do hear what you're saying about the like agony over the decision making mm-hmm. is like a little bit like okay we get it it's a little much I actually I, and I found the coin trope a little much at first too. I hated it yeah but then I started to be like this is kind of fun like yeah. I like when I because like the way the book is written it's very like there'll be paragraphs and then there'll be like line 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 indent, indentations yeah. and then it'll be like half a page and then there'll be like a page break and I kind of liked that style oh see I didn't see I don't like when oh. I'm reading like for some reason I'm like when I'm reading fiction I don't love experimental fiction sure either um I don't sh- think that I do either it's shocking that I love like <laughs> visit from the goon squad so okay. much but I just do like I just think Jenny Egan is just like okay. the best writer okay. except for Manhattan Beach which I just can't get, get through into. um but yeah, I don't love experimental fiction. I'm like when I like a novel to be a novel, I like fiction to be fiction. I don't. Uh, yeah, I kind of liked it because I knew that I was getting through the book faster. <laughs> right, right. Hey, <laughs> which is fair. terrible, but it's true. I'd be like, but, oh, it's only like yeah. More and pages. again, I want us to talk more about motherhood and yeah. like the different ideas around motherhood and how yeah. we characterize motherhood. I think it's super important. Yeah, the book just wasn't for me. Yeah, what I so one of the things that she talks about about like. She talks about abortion a little bit. And I thought it was very interesting because she says that, and I don't disagree with this necessarily, but that part of the reason that men are so invested in abortion, uh, in the abortion debate, like politically and in the world, is that it's less about the child, which I think we all Mm -hmm. kind of knew, and more about this idea that like women are supposed to have children. Yeah. And that women are a conduit for 
more humans. And mm-hmm. so like if you cut that off, then then you're you can no, you're not no longer requiring women to do the work that they were made to do. And it's like this antiquated, really sexist thing. Well, it's a control thing control. too, right? I mean, like men really have no control right. over making babies right. in a lot of ways. Right. And so or control over perpetuating the species, if you want to go even like more macro mm-hmm. than that. And so by trying to control a woman's way of, you know, reproductive rights, that gives men, even subconsciously, even like good men, it gives mm-hmm. men back control of right. which they feel like they're losing by women right. being able to make that choice. I, I'm also really happy that she talked about abortion. I think abortion is something we need to talk about much more openly and honestly and get rid of the stigma of having an abortion Mm -hmm. i like i loved cindy levy's um new york times op-ed cindy was so she was the editor-in-chief of glamour for a long time and she talks in this op-ed about how she has written about abortion and you know they're certainly glamour is very pro-choice and yet she never talks about her own abortion and so she Mm. talks about her own abortion in this op-ed and it was really powerful um and I had an abortion when I was 16. I talk about it very openly with mm-hmm. people. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I think that that decision was the right decision for my life. I've never regretted it. Mm-hmm. But I'll bring it up to some people and people cringe as if we can't say the word abortion. Um, right. And I was talking to one of my friends who's a magazine editor after Cindy's op-ed came out in the Times. And I was like, we should do this. I'm like, I could organize a lot of women writers to talk about their own abortion experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, I'd love to. We talk about it all the time. We'll lose advertisers. I mean, it's just, it's amazing to me. So right. I mean, I appreciate that that is in the book and that it's something that we can talk about more openly now. Right, right. I mean, as someone who's married to an OBGYN, yeah. I, get, I mean, I get a lot of birth stories a and birth abortion stories. stories and miscarriage stories and stillbirth stories mm-hmm. and then also just irregular pap stories. I get all the stories. You get all the stories. You know all about every woman's vagina and pretty it's, much. And it's interesting yeah. because we end up with a lot of people's stories that aren't as close to us as you would think they should be to tell us about these stories. Yeah. But I love it yeah. like because I feel like it arms me with information like to be in the world when people – have something that negative to say about abortion and like look I understand that abortion is never something that people choose lightly never and I no think one that ever, that's no one ever the chooses thing that, lightly. that people miss mm-hmm. I think that people think that women are literally like having sex yeah. with 20 men unprotected and just like I'll get an abortion tomorrow exactly. like that's not it that's not it even if you're 15 no. like even if you're young and dumb and whatever, or even if you're 40, like it's not something. No, it's always a decision that I, that it, it weighs on you. And, and it's, it's a story a, and it's a moment. It's a story and a moment. And that's, I mean, it's interesting because, so I wrote an abortion scene or an unplanned pregnancy scene into my last novel, Charlotte Walsh. Um, and I actually, I made the decision to have her not undergoing the abortion. She has a miscarriage right mm. before um she does it, but she grapples with it and it's hard and it's right. difficult. And I wanted, I wanted to show that very, very honestly, mm-hmm. um, in a piece of fiction. And when I start to talk to women, like if it comes up in conversation, 
women that I hardly even know are like, oh yeah, so when I had an abortion, let me mm-hmm. tell you my story. Right. Uh, one of my friends was like, I had an abortion so long ago that I had to pull the yellow pages out of my parents' <laughs> oh, closet God. and look up. She's like, and I didn't know what to look up in the yellow right. pages because oh, this was God. pre-Google. Right. Um, and like, you know, just, but just like, how, like we should talk about that. Right. We should have that conversation. It's such a and, major thing in a woman's life. Well, it also isn't something that should be politicized the way that it's politicized. Right. I well, mean, it's, it's none of your business. It's none of your business. Like it should be completely taken out of politics. Yeah. Full stop. It's one of those things that I get fascinated with. It's I not that they're the same thing at all, but I liken it a little bit to Israel mm-hmm. in the sense that I'm like, why do all these white men politicians totally. in America care yeah. so much about my uterus? And about Israel. And gay like, marriage. Yeah, like there's Wait, other... Like, why, I would like to talk to you about taxes. Yeah. I would like to talk to you about education reform. Sure. Like, or how about like, roads? Roads. Sure. Like bridges. Ha- yeah. Bridges. Shoop, super. Yeah, like Jobs why, sound good. Why are we attaching any of this right. to what happens in right. my body? Right. What happens in someone's bedroom right. or what's happening across the ocean? Right. Like, like it's like there's yeah. so many other countries that have disputes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but y'all are obsessed with abortion Israel and like bathrooms that transgender and bathrooms people, that transgender like, people want do you use. not understand that transgender people also have to use the bathroom they like, also have to go to the bathroom well, like that's the thing to me that I'm like so what do you pro- what, do, what you, do you want them to do like do you want them to go pee in a bush yeah like I'm so sorry well, no. that's the one that I'm just like fuck you and the horse you rode in on because like the humans humans not you don't have to do it Mm-mm. you don't have to decide that you feel that you were born in the wrong gender like but it's also, just, it's just not government. That's the yeah. thing. I'm like, there's so many, I've, you know, become so much more, like I've always been a journalist covering politics, but I've become so much more politically active mm-hmm. personally, sure. especially now that I'm not covering politics right. on a regular basis. I'm kind of allowed to. Yeah. Because it's tricky if um, you're doing both. But you also just see so many things on the local level that need to be fixed and people are obsessed with these issues. I'm like, no, seriously, like there's no free preschool in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I'm about to have to shell out $40,000 a year that I do not have. Mm-hmm. And it's not even tax deductible. Why can't that be fixed before you start talking about regulating my uterus? Right. Sure. Like, why don't you worry about the kids that are here? The kids that are here. Right. Yeah. Or like either take care of the kids that are here, all mm-hmm. of them, or leave all me alone or on leave my me decision. Alone on all of my decisions. Yeah. Like, yes. Truly. Yeah. Um, not that I planned this, but since we're talking about children and Israel, she talks a lot about the Holocaust because mm-hmm. there are Holocaust survivors in this character's family. Yeah. And I did think that that was a really interesting connection just because, I mean, she talks about a little bit that in Jewish culture, like because of not just the Holocaust, but even before that, like that there's so much oppression of the Jews by different mm-hmm. people that there's a huge importance put on having children on having children on, and so that's yes. an interesting mm-hmm. tie-in like you have the holocaust on one side and then you have like this intense cultural pressure to have children and she's kind of somewhere in the middle of right. that and I really liked that filter no that was a I think that that was that was a great filter yeah. um because and I think even if you're not Jewish even if you don't have that particular pressure on you mm-hmm women generally do feel that pressure like we do feel the pressure oh this is what we're supposed to do Mm -hmm. and so I thought that was a really fascinating framing of yeah this is what we're supposed to do and if I'm not doing this what's my purpose right um because also for so long women's purpose was to procreate yeah and I think Um, but then to have the weight of something like the holocaust on your shoulders and be like I should be doing this for my culture for for my people um 
it's so it's it's heavy it's so yeah. much more and i think that's true of other marginalized communities Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm black and Jewish, so right. I get it from all sides, you know. All but sides. But I think there is a lot of pressure in the black community also to have children. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the history of slavery and, yeah. like, so, like, the black people having children is also double-edged in a sense. It's like they were bred for mm-hmm. their children. But also then there's this whole fucked-up narrative about, you know, crack. Ma, crack babies which, and like which, which was proven false right well right it's yes. bullshit <laughs> it's total but, bullshit and like also like the father's not being home and yeah. this and that and like there's this whole like negative lie campaign out about black babies yeah and then that these crack moms want to have abortions and these babies are super predators and then on the other side it's like black people are bred to be athletes and performers right. and like exactly there's so much cultural there's so much that's culturally connected to different groups, babies, right? And then mm-hmm. you have like in China where it's like only one only child. Only one child. Or a boy, boy. A boy child is better. I um, I was actually getting my eyebrows waxed the other day and the woman waxing my eyebrows was Chinese. And she asked me about, I, I said something um, about having a one-year-old and she's like, oh, well, what, what is it? And I was like, it's a boy. She's like, you're so lucky. Mm. Um, she's like, I have four girls. And I was like, oh my God. And she like felt shame and guilt about it. And I was like, this wow. is terrible. Yeah. It's so terrible. Yeah. That's a book I would like you to write for me is like, <laughs> where you travel the world. And after you did your marriage year, mm. you do the baby, the baby year. The baby year. We're thinking about it. We're oh. thinking about it. We, tra- I mean, we travel internationally with him a lot. He's been to Europe twice already. Um, Took him on a Sicilian road trip. Sicily's mm. the best place to mm. be with a baby, which is why I'm also, I think, I know that I'm very privileged and I will check that like right here. I, I'm well aware. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why having a baby hasn't changed us. But we're also not like crazy rich people. Right. Like we're, we trade off childcare. We have mm. not had full-time childcare for 14 months. My husband and I have made it work between wow. the two of us, wow. which has been crazy. And sometimes we hate each other mm. and it works, but- we took him to Sicily on a road trip and I was taking him into the bathroom to change him. And this man, the owner of a restaurant in Sicily follows me into the bathroom. And I was like, What's, I'm, I'm going to die. He's going to murder me and my baby. And he followed me in so that he could make me a changing table out of, with like a pillow and a cushion in like a window. And he did. And I came out and then he handed me a glass of wine. That's and sweet. I'm like, this is a country that fucking loves mothers. Right. Well, like, and America is a country that hates despises mothers. mothers. Well, hates women. Hates, hates women and therefore hates mothers. Right. Um, I mean, there's no changing facilities in the majority of restaurants or on Amtrak. I call out Amtrak on, for that every time. No changing tables on Amtrak. You know what I do? Change them on the floor of the train. So Disgusting. 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 Bless you, Amtrak. Uh, Thank you for your support. Yes. (laughs) Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have 
considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, in Charlotte Walsh, mm-hmm. we talk, I mean, we're changing books. Um, we talk about Charlotte and her husband takes over mm-hmm. childcare for the children for optics reasons. Yep. He has to do it. They can't have a nanny for optics reasons. But also like this idea that he's sacrificing so much to do this work, like that it's yeah. so beneath him. Yeah. Just it's, that's part of America hating women, That's right? part of America hating women. And I mean, it's part of. I, I wrote Charlotte because I, I do think that we need to deprogram culture mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And like, that's another thing we have to deprogram. Right. Um, even my husband, who's like this crazy feminist man, he's now, he's not working right now. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm doing a thousand things. I've got this podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm working on a new book. I'm on a book tour. Right. And I'm like, you need to take the fucking baby. Right. Full time. Like I'm not hiring a nanny just because I'm available less. If I weren't working, I'd have the baby full right. time. And even him, the most feminist man in the world, and you'll meet him tonight. It grates. It's hard. It's hard. hard on him to be the less ambitious one, the one that's not working right now, right. and the one taking care of the baby full time. Right. And it, that's amazing to me. And if it's that hard for him, imagine how hard it is for the majority of men right. out there. And But it's because men haven't been programmed. Like, I think when I get to spend time with the baby, I'm like, I really feel like I'm winning. Like I like Mm. to be with him. Um, but men haven't been programmed that that's a win for them. Like they, they, that doesn't make them feel successful in any way. And, and and they haven't been asked to really challenge that in any way. Never. Right. Like not in our country. Um, a few weeks ago we did Shonda Rhimes book year of yes. And she talks about how like no one ever asks other TV executives where are your kids? Where are your kids? No. Or how, like, she's always like, the first question I get is either about diversity or my children. Or my children. And like, nobody yeah. asks white men. No one like, ever asks What's it like being that? a white guy with no. children? And it's the same thing on the campaign trail. I mean, women political right. candidates are constantly asked, who's taking care of your kids? 
what does your husband think of your campaign stance? Right. Except I interviewed one congressional candidate for committed, Lauren Bear, and I can mm. say her name because she was also on committed. But she doesn't ask those questions because she has a wife, right. because she's a lesbian. Because there's a mom at home. Because <laughs> there's a mom at home. Yep. Right. But her mom, her partner is also working. Full her partner time. also works full time. It's just, but she, but like people don't feel the need to they ask that question ask that because question. there's another woman. Because they don't care what her par- partner thinks of her stance. No, exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Because there's no man involved. Also, fucking great episode. So I love that, that episode. I love them so much. Lauren yeah. Bear. Her primary is on Tuesday. Is it? Mm-hmm. If you're in Florida, oh, this is this is it'll be passed. It'll be passed. But if you're in Florida and Lauren wins her primary, then vote check for her. her vote, check for, her out. vote for her on during the main event. I think it's just while we're doing this really quickly, I don't normally do this, but just make sure that you're registered to vote wherever you are right now. Just it's a good time. It's 100%. September percent, and there's an election coming up and register to vote and vote by mail if you can. Mm-hmm. It just makes it really easy for you. And I don't care who you vote for. I do care that you vote. I don't care who you vote for. That's the thing. Like, you know, um, in the book, Charlotte skews Democrat. Um, I originally wanted to make her an independent. Mm. It's logistically difficult. Really hard. Logistically difficult, like if you want to actually set it in how politics really right. works, because then you don't really have an opponent. You have exactly. two opponents. And no, nobody exactly, cares about exactly. You. Um, so I couldn't make her an independent. Um, but all I care about with people reading this book is that it inspires them to register and to mm-hmm. vote. I don't care who you vote for. Yeah. Um, I want you to look at women candidates. Right. I want you to go out there and find women candidates that are running on both sides of the aisle, because I think when women run. They are often trying to fix something, and they're trying to fix things for women um, right. on both sides of the aisle. Right. We need childcare to be tax deductible. We need better maternity policies. Mm-hmm. If we want to be, if we don't want to lose out on creativity, if we don't want to lose out on right. our careers, like we need women to help us set up for success. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah. So go register. Register. Just in case you're it's not. easy. It's so easy. It's so easy. You can do it by mail. Yeah. You yeah. can do it by mail. You can do it online now. I know. It's amazing. And. Check the mail-in ballot. It just makes your life easier. If you, so if easy. you have a hard time remembering to vote, just do just do the mail-in. It do comes the mail to your house. Ballot. Yeah, so it comes easy. to your house. Calif- California makes it really easy. California makes it so yeah. easy. Um, okay. All right. So <laughs> totally unrelated. Public, hashtag public service. Yeah, we're doing our best here. Um, one of the other things that ties into this whole like anti-abortion thing that she touches on that she doesn't quite draw the lines to the two things, but mm-hmm. it's about women as a passageway mm-hmm. for men. Yes. That like a woman, her vagina, her uterus to vagina to the world is a is the way that men come into the world mm-hmm. and then are able to exist and then are able to perpetuate anti womanness, manness, and mm-hmm. that there's a sense of guilt in our lead narrator about the potential of that, which I thought was interesting, right? Mm-hmm. And that also that men outside of the room, adult men, realize that about women that they are a passageway so if abortion is allowed they could cut off that they cut passageway. off that yeah they're they're, they're essentially creating a road blockade right yeah exactly. in that in that passageway no i mean she has some really great philosophical thoughts yes, on totally. womanhood and motherhood but like i said that's why that's why i'm like can this just be nonfiction? yeah yeah i mean it's to, it, i almost felt like by the end i was like this is nonfiction. i don't yeah, care exactly like i, I just, just it's it's not yeah yeah it's not fiction. It's not fiction. Um, and, and like I said, I think sometimes it is just too much like smacking you in the face over and over again. And it's a little cynical. And it's too long. And it's a little cynical. And, you know, I think that I think I'm o- getting over cynicism, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I'm like I'm I'm just kind of I'm cynical about cynicism. I'm sick of yeah. cynicism. Yeah. I'm kind of exhausted by it. Sure. Um, 
because of what's happening in the news all right. the time. Well, when the and first lady wears a jacket that says, I don't really care. I don't really do care. You. Do you? Like, yeah, exactly. And so I'm really into caring now. I didn't realize I'm actually into, <laughs> I'm actually into caring. I'm yeah. actually into not thinking everything is fucking terrible all the time. Right. right? Because right. it's not. And I, I loved what you said about reframing busyness. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think people love to use busyness as a badge of honor and people love right. to use neuroses as a badge of yeah. honor. And I'm like, can you just enjoy your fucking life right. a little bit? Right. Like instead of like giving into all of these anxieties all of the time, like right. let's just, let's actually try to be happy. Right. I think it feels, I mean, it feels better. Yeah. Like it feels, you feel more important in your own world. Exactly. And exactly. Everyone thinks that busyness is actually being important. Right. Um, and I'm like, it's not like I I know like I'm actually quite busy right now. Mm -hmm. I've been promoting the book and doing all of this right. stuff. I also never don't reply to an email or a text message. Right. I mean, meanwhile, I feel like people are in the world are getting worse at that yeah. these days. It's just like flakiness and not responding. Yeah. And I'm like, I have time. If I have time to you do this, time. you have time. Right. Well, you, you have make time, time for you the things that are important. You make time for the things you. that are important, or just to be a kind human being that lives in the world. Um, yeah. I mean. I read most of the books that people ask me to blurb, or at least I start them. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, like one of my pet peeves is authors that are like, I'm just not blurbing right now. I'm like, God bless you. God, bless. especially if it's a first time female author. I'm like, do you know how much that blurb means to this person? Right. Um, I had two young women authors who I blurbed their first novels come to my book event in New York at Books Are Magic. And I was like, you two should know each other and you should help each other for the rest mm -hmm. of your careers because you're both women authors and women authors aren't always nice to each other. Mm -hmm. And here, here's, here's your email addresses. Go, go forth, go forth and be friends. be friends. Are they friends? I think so. <laughs> Their books are coming out, like came out like around the same time. And I'm like, okay. promote each other's books. Like, yeah. I love when is, I see that. Yeah. I love when I see that. I'm like, I will like, I, I think other women need to be helping and promoting other women as yeah. much as possible. Sure. And we're not. No, no. It's hard. It it's is hard, hard for people to, to understand that what they're doing is not in a vacuum. Exactly. Like that your work is made mm -hmm. better, bigger, more exactly. visible by those around by you. By those around you. And that if yes. you have a platform, you should help. You should help. And if you don't have a platform, you shouldn't be afraid to ask for nope. help. Nope. Don't be afraid to ask for help. But it's, I mean, that's all stuff that goes against everything that we're taught. Just like mm -hmm. men thinking that having to be the primary caregiver is like a demotion. Exactly. Exactly. But it's, you know, that's the kind of stuff well, we culture, should be questioning. Culture doesn't, again, I mean, I, what, while I've been on this book tour, I've just been ripping pop culture. Sure. Because I think that, <laughs> that TV and movies have given us one way of being a woman. Yeah. And books too. Right. I, re I recently read a thriller um, that was one of the summer's big thrillers. Both of the w female protagonists, who were supposed to be portrayed as like strong, smart women, mm -hmm. were quitting their jobs shortly after getting married. Mm. And I'm like, really? In the year 2018, we're still we're still doing that. We're still showing that th that this is an aspirational thing. Sure. And it, it was just like written in as if it were again something that's normalized. Right. Um, but there is also this fantasy I feel now of like going, like that. There's a um. Like a repercussion, or not a, I don't know, the, I can't think of the world word, but because of the 2016 election mm -hmm. and because of like this quote unquote failure on like a strong woman's part, yeah. that there's now this drive to go back to like the 50s for women. Like that, like yeah. to be able to be a stay at home mom mm -hmm. is something that is like a badge of honor in a sexist way and not in the way that being a stay at home mom is a badge of honor 
in being able to provide for your family. Right. And like, I'm not de- denigrating that, but that there's this idea no. of romantic- romanticizing Romanticizing it. the concept of the stay-at-home mom. Right, that being well, a strong blame, woman is bad. But I also blame Instagram for that. Sure. Um, because I think inst- like the Instagram influencer generally sure. has created this like kind of like, look at these beautiful, like look how beautifully I've designed my house and look how beautiful, like these beautiful right. cookies I make as the stay-at-home mom. And right. like, I love stay-at-home moms. Part of the t- like part of the time I am taking care of my child full time, and right. like so therefore like Nick and I are both stay-at-home parents. Sure, half of the time. Um, but I was in the house of one of these influencers in San Francisco, and it was a fucking mess. Sure, and like and like so it's all fake. So all we're fake. creating these like fantasies of what it's like to be a stay-at-home mom. Right. The same way that we create fantasies of what it's like to live in a farm. You sure. know, like everyone loves the Instagrams of like. I just live on a goat farm now. Right. Like being a farmer is fucking hard. It sounds like my nightmare. Yeah. It's one but of people the Instagram are, things I don't like. Yeah, but people are like, <laughs> well, th- you're just getting back to basics and back to your roots. Right. And like, isn't that wonderful? And I'm like, no, no. none of you would be happy on a farm. No. Have you ever touched a cow's nipple? Right. It's weird. It's not something I'm interested in no. doing, I But I guess that's maybe where some of the cynicism comes in from this book. Mm-hmm. Like that there's this anxiety around not just having a child, but also like the pressure of being a good parent oh yeah I mean that sucks like it does there's so much pressure around being a good parent I stopped reading the internet because it's so bad and I do think that maybe I should write a book on how to be a mom um I don't know learning from different cultures but sure I just reread if Beale Street could talk by James Baldwin oh yeah you know the main character is pregnant Mm -hmm. it's not a spoiler it's like the first five pages yeah and she drinks like whiskey like eight times in the book, mm-hmm. and I'm like, y'all, these people. Everybody turns out fine. Everybody's fine. Like our I parents had wine. were drinking. Yeah, yeah. I had wine. I, I mean, had wine during my pregnancy. But like, like this not idea. a lot. I wasn't hammered. No. Yeah. You can have a glass of wine. But every later. and everyone is so well. And that's the other thing, like that. I I think we need to talk about about motherhood. We're just precious about it. We're precious that there's one way to be a mother. Right. Um, like your kid should be on the ground. Your kid, your my kid's in dirt most of the time. Right. Like my kid is like barefoot most of the time. Right. Yeah. Like I there's like, just like yeah. There's certain things that I think are important, like to being a good parent. I think one of them is that like your kid should be like respectful to other people yes that's like the honestly my number just raise one thing. a good human yeah like that's your kid should say hello to adults mm-hmm. when they can talk your kid can't talk yet he can't talk he can say dog he says dog to every he adult. says dog when yeah. i come in the room that's fine he's gonna say dog great. he says hi dog perfect hi dog that's to great. everyone but yeah. like those are the things that matter it doesn't matter if your kid is like plays the violin sure. at 14 months unless your kid is really good at violin at and then and months. likes it and yeah. wants to play the violin sure if that's yeah. their calling that's there's the just thing. so much extra like my kid has to play soccer and be a cheerleader and, and my kid do has to be volleyball. perfect all the time i'm like your kid just has to be a kid yeah i just want your kid to be a kid there's so much pressure that's added to parenting that mm-hmm. i think that like i can speak for myself that gives me anxiety I'm that scares people kid. that totally just scares sure. people I mean and like that that's why I like just being honest about my own experience with motherhood and again I like it more than I thought I would like it like I didn't I didn't know I didn't mm-hmm. know what 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 was going to happen and right. like I genuinely I'm really enjoying it but I'm also not a crazy anxious freak about right. it I'm like you know what he ate dirt the other day he's fine he's Dirt's gonna be okay you don't want to eat like he's, detergent probably. yeah no I don't want to eat poison <laughs> poison would be bad yeah, um he's fine. 14 months and he can walk but doesn't want to not freaking out no not freaking out that the only thing he says is hi dog he's fine. like he's fine yeah he's good yeah. yeah if he's like 10 and he's like if he's 10 walking, and he's only then... saying hi dog and, yeah. and he crawls around we might have a problem but like but then I'll let him go live with wolves time yeah wolves somewhere well that's when you're gonna be a, a yeah. vet that's a why I'm gonna be a large animal, animal vet just in exactly case. slash paleontologist yeah <laughs> just um in case. so yeah I mean I just like what I do want to break down and what I think I think motherhood actually the, by the Sheila Hetty book actually makes it worse is that 
There's too much anxiety around it. Mm-hmm. Let's let's get rid of the anxiety. I think right. people like having the anxiety. Women have been having children since the beginning of humans. Right. And you just, like I said, you just figure it you out. figure it out. Well, yeah. That's something that my husband always says about child, like about actually giving birth. Mm-hmm. Well, his job is very stressful because a lot of people don't think about this when they think about OBs, but yeah. they are dealing with a very high stakes moment in people's life. And it's a positive moment. Most of the time when you go to the doctor for something, especially something high stakes, you might go to surgery or whatever. It's a negative thing. It's a negative So you're thing. expecting something terrible to happen. So he deals with a lot of the pressure of, you know, I'm the sole responsible adult right now. Cause everyone else is like, this is the best day ever. And he's mm-hmm. like, you're bleeding. Like yes. this is bad. Yes. So aside from that part of it, he talks a lot about how like, it's really fucking easy like mm-hmm. to deliver a baby. Like if you have a healthy yeah. baby and a yeah. healthy mom and like, you know, everything's going good. Like it's something that people are able to do. Yeah. Like yeah. we're able to, your do body this is meant thing. to do this. So yep. like taking out some yep. of like, you know, and he's like, you don't need to do a fucking water birth. Like just no. come here. Let's just have a healthy baby. Let's just have a healthy baby. Let's just yeah. get the baby. You don't out. need a playlist. Right. You don't need your like no. soft jams playlist. No. no, you don't need the room to smell like sure. a certain candle. Sure. Um, you don't need 50 people in the room, but he, but he does talk about how it's just like having a baby is super. It's like the naturalist, most natural, most natural thing. thing. Yeah. Naturalist. naturalist. The most natural yeah. thing. And like, like I said, there are definitely complications and like you should listen to your doctor yes. and don't be selfish about your water birth. If you have an issue. No, but, it's inter- like we sometimes forget that people have been doing this for and we build it long. up and we become crazy about it because I think people like to be crazy. Yeah. People, people want like to be neurotic. I, I think people love their anxiety. I wonder how we can make people less anxious. I don't know. How you can make it like cool to be like cool, calm. cool to be calm. <laughs> yeah. I don't know because it's kind of like it's kind of boring, right? Yeah, like I I'm anxious. I feel like I've been less anxious since I started doing this podcast. I was always mm-hmm. a creative person and I kind of stopped performing. When I started doing this podcast again, I've been less anxious. Because you have an outlet. I have an things. outlet. So maybe yeah. if you feel anxious, you need an outlet. Like a podcast. Or like yeah. a painting. Or ecstatic dance. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever it is. Yeah. But I do think that like. I think you need it. I do think you need an outlet. But I, I also think I genuinely believe social media is making everyone more anxious. Sure. Because I think everyone's comparing themselves to people sure. all the time. I mean, it's what like I, when I took Instagram off my phone and put it on Nick's phone I only put it back like for the past couple of weeks because like for book stuff right. I have no choice right. I have That's to do job. it um my anxiety plummeted do you like the motherhood cover um it's fine yeah I, I think it's pretty I like it's fine. watercolory yeah yeah it's watercolory <laughs> it's pretty I mean I don't think there's I mean I think it's exactly what it should be for the book yes, that it is it is yeah exactly yeah um I mean I love I love a lot of the things that are happening with book book covers I do think we're finally seeing women's books not just have pink covers yeah and not just have pretty women in high heels yeah on them on the covers or lipstick or martinis right for Glennis's book um no one tells you this uh originally it had a slice of birthday cake and a martini on it and it was it had pink on the cover and she's no, like oh no thank you she's like I'm not she's like I don't even drink martinis um and it was a memoir about a woman being 40 years old she's right. like why are you doing this why they wanted like for a long time, I think that the publishing industry wanted to sex in the city fi everything. Right. And I'm happy that they're not now. Me too. Because yeah. I think, I mean, for me, that's like my nightmare when I see a book like that. It's my nightmare. I mean, yeah. And I, I, re- I mean, I do still read a lot of those books. I was talking to um, the woman that I'm working with to develop Charlotte as a TV show. Um, and she's like, I still read all those books. She's like, there's some really great stories in them that we can turn sure. into TV shows. And I'm yeah. like, Totally. But like, it's a giant turnoff. Like my stomach when you twists. See those covers. And when I've been doing talks in bookstores, cause we've been traveling all over the country, I, we, 
stop and pause and make people look around the room and look at all the covers and compare a woman book cover to a male book cover. And it's really interesting. It's really interesting. Um, There's this one bookstore in Hawaii um, on Kauai. And Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, obviously like the most far like possible West independent bookstore in the country. And she divides all the books by men and women. Mm. Um, And she says she does it because it makes it easier for people to find books because people usually know if it's written by a man or a woman, like what color Mm. the cover is. But you, you just see a sea of pink and then a sea of not pink. And it's fascinating to see. It's interesting. I was just thinking that I don't own any pink books. Yeah. But and well, I know. That's also based on what I But like that's to based read. on what you like All to read. All my books are black, white, and red. And th- there's <laughs> a reason that Charlotte is black, white, red, and blue. Yeah. Yes. Makes sense. It also looks really nice on us. I have a sweater, that's a cashmere sweater that says she likes to win. I saw that in the picture. The I know. blue and It's the a red. Lingua Franca one. It's so good. My but, friend has one that says, I miss Barack. Uh-huh. Like that. Mm-hmm. Lingua Franca. My friend Rochelle's company. It's so good. Oh, my God. So beautiful. Well, do you have any final thoughts about motherhood? The book or being a mom? Yeah, the book. The book. Yeah. Um, I don't. I mean, I think I think that it's an important book because I think that books with women's voices are important mm-hmm. and books that question things about culture that mm-hmm. has been so ingrained yeah. for women are important. I just don't know if it should have been a work of fiction or if it should have been this long. Right. I agree. I think if you like books that are meditative on something, mm-hmm. you will really like this book. You really like this book. I think that if you are looking for more of a conversation about motherhood, mm-hmm. this might not be your book. Might not be your book. And I also, you know, I think if you're in a certain place in your life where you are anxious about having right. children, it's an interesting book. Yeah. As a new mother, I found it insulting. And sure. so I think that that's the problem. Because yeah. I think... Her anxiety over motherhood changing everything for her is almost insulting to new mothers. Sure. Because it's like, you're making me seem like I made the wrong choice. Right. And I don't like that dichotomy sure. at all. Well, there's even a part in the book towards the end where Miles, who's like her partner, he talks about like people who have children who complain about having children mm-hmm. and how hard it is. And he's like, it's kind of a problem of your own making, which kind of does lean into our conversation about like the anxiety of everything. Mm-hmm. Which is true, but also this book is kind of a problem of her own making. It's a problem of her own making. Which is basically the moral of this whole episode is everything is a problem of your own making. Can you rework that? Can you rework that? Can you rework that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And just that like there are things that are unknown and it's okay. And there's always going to be things that are unknown. There there are things that are unknown if you choose not to have children too. Do you know Cheryl Strayed? Yeah. Did you read Tiny Beautiful Thing? Yeah. You know that section about the person who wants to have a kid and she's like, it's like your rocket ship that passes by in the night. You you write down all the things you imagine your life with mm-hmm. kids and all the things you imagine your life without kids and you pick one. Oh, you and pick the one, one you pick is the life that you live and the other one is like this other thing that travels past you in the night that's yep. like your uh, your unlived life. Your and unlived I think life. thinking about it like that. But I don't even know if I like thinking about it like that because it's like, yes, it's your unlived life, but even saying unlived life makes it seem like you're missing out on something. Well, I think that her point was that this yeah. person was very anxious about mm-hmm. both decisions and that right. she was kind of saying like, you're going to live a life. Yeah. And then like, there are things that will maybe never happen to you, but there's right. also all these things on this piece of paper that you wrote down that were amazing things that you wanted to happen that will happen. That will you. happen to you. And so I like that it was kind of like, yeah. So what? Life, so what? Ha- life so happens. You, but like, it's the same thing as like, if you walk out the door now or you walk out the door in five mm-hmm. minutes, like something could be different, but just thinking about it as like, it's not so tangible that you're missing out, but no. it's just like this unlived, this unlived other journey. universe of you. Yeah. So I don't know. I like that. I like that. I wish this book was a little more that. A little bit more that mm-hmm. because it, it it actually, it does. And because I think she, you know, ends up making the decision that she does not necessarily want children. I think it ends up skewing anti- Anti-kids. Right? Anti-kids, anti-mother. Yeah. 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 Well, we're interested to think, wait, hear what you guys think. So message the stacks on all of our things. 
And um, yeah, send us messages. I want to hear what you guys think because I know a lot of you loved this book. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of people love the book, and I was ner- I'm actually I'm nervous about. Um, you know, saying I don't love it. Oh no, but... we're big book panners over oh, good. here. I good. I gave a book one star that I did on this show, which I was like, "How will I get through this?" And then everyone was like, "Yeah, I hated it." I was like, "Oh, great! God, thank God! Thank God. thank God!" Well, because we have to, like, you know, not everything is awesome and amazing. Like, yeah. we have to, we have to be critical I, about things. Criticism is my favorite thing in the yes. world. I like, I like a one star book mm-hmm. because like gives you stuff to talk about. Gives you something to talk about exactly. Great. And like I said, Sheila had a beautiful writer. I like the writing. There's a lot of this book that I think is really beautiful and amazing, mm-hmm. and like. You know, and then there's stuff in this book where I was like, Ugh. yeah, but that's fine. That's fine. That's a book. That's a book. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah, that's a book. Take it from us. All right. Y'all. Well, thank you so much for being here, Joe. Thank you and for having me and the croissants and for wearing the same t-shirt as me yes. because oh, I just, see. I felt loved the second that I walked this in the door. So crazy. Well, it's fun because I saw you through the window and you looked at me and I thought you looked at me like I was like not supposed to be here or something. Oh, no. I'm like, what? It was really because I was wearing the shirt. Because <laughs> we were twins. Yep. Um, okay. Well, we'll be back next week. Uh, I won't tell you guys who our guest is, but it's someone really good. And um, then the week after that, we're doing less. Right? Yay. Yeah. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. And thank you to our guest, Joe Piazza. Check out Joe's latest book, Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win, in stores now. Remember, you can join the Stacks Pack and be a part of creating this podcast and earn awesome perks by going to patreon.com slash the stacks and contributing as little as a dollar a month. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCright, and our theme music is from Tagiragis. This show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. I'll see you in the Stacks.